Thanks for joining the Capital Church podcast channel. For more resources and to learn more about Capital Church, please visit our website at capitalchurch.co or send us an email at info at uh, Hey, we want to welcome everyone to Online Church. Uh, we're so glad you made it here uh, today. Uh, we just want to let you know that we're praying for you and uh, we love you with all of our heart. Um, and uh, if there's anything that you need, please um, uh, get in contact with us uh, at, at the church. And we'll do everything we can to uh, help in um, some very difficult times. Uh, today we have uh, something uh, really cool that we're going to do. Uh, we're going to do something a little bit different. Uh, we decided to do um, panel style. And so I invited two men that I respect so highly. And uh, many of you know them, but I'm just going to introduce uh, you to them if you don't know who they are. On my left, your right, is uh, Pastor Ken Wild. Uh, he is my dad. He's the founding pastor of Capital Church, and uh, he's also our lead elder. Uh, he has so much wisdom, and uh, we're so blessed to have him here uh, today with us. On my right, your left, we have uh, Pastor Mark Thornton, and uh, I look up, look up to him so much. Uh, he's our community pastor on staff, and uh, he's also uh, the Boise State chaplain. And uh, you do a lot of stuff in the community. Uh, pretty much everybody loves Mark Thornton, and so we're blessed to have uh, this panel. We're going to spend probably 20 minutes just talking through some things uh, just regarding our, our moment, our current moment right now. And so I'm going to begin with uh, my father, Pastor Ken Wild. And uh, I just want to ask the question, uh, Dad, um, in, in light of everything that's going on right now, uh, obviously the crazy times and uh, people are overwhelmed and frustrated, hurt, and there's cries of justice and I just want to get your perspective on how should we as followers of Jesus uh, build for the kingdom of God? What, what should our perspective be uh, in these times? Well, I think part of the, the issue that Christians have is that we take the pieces that we see, but we never see what's underneath. And what we're seeing right now is the fruit of decades of a worldview coming to the surface in America that is in violation of the worldview that started our nation. The two worldviews basically are, you know, the Judeo-Christian worldview, which is God is in charge, God is supernatural, he created all things, and we are his, we are his children, and we have dignity because of that. The other worldview is a materialistic, humanistic that man is is just in and of himself. Uh, it's all about him. It starts with him, his thinking, and we can only go fa as far as man can go. And there is no real afterlife or eternity. So you have that in place. And so what happens is you have the dignity of man that that the Christian community promotes as opposed to fatalism and death and no hope that the, the other worldview, and there's lots of worldviews, but you can basically put them in those two worldviews. So I think right now what we're seeing, we're seeing a fruit of kind of what our nation has been going through probably for the last 40 to 60 years. And it's just kind of come to the surface. So if we just see it as 
as a, a problem now is racism or, or a problem with this culture or this area of, of our society. That's not really the issue. So having said that, I'll just say this and let you guys comment a little further on it. Having said that, I think what has happened is the church has ceased to be salt and light and the result is what we see. Chaos leading to anarchy, which then leads to authoritarianism. That's kind of where we're at. So what I guess what I would in encourage our our, our, our brothers and sisters in the Lord is to, is to, we have to reemerge as salt and light. We just don't have services. We're to actually change our culture and we kind of forfeited it. Yeah. So we're seeing the result of it. Yeah. So we've, we've withdrawn from culture, yeah. right? Yeah. And we all know that nature pours a vacuum, right? So we have a cultural vacuum, right? That has been filled with other meta narratives, exactly. right? That uh, go against the narrative of Jesus being ascendant over creation itself, right? Yeah, and I agree. And so what you're saying, Dad, that we have a responsibility yeah. as followers of Jesus to, um, like, rethink things? Yeah. yeah. Uh, would you use the word repent? <laughs> Which means, you know, in the Greek, to go beyond the mind that we have. I don't know. What do you think, Mark? Yeah, absolutely. I believe that we need to repent because the directive was given to the church first. It wasn't given to the world. The directive was given to us as followers of Christ to be salt and light. And I think racism exists, but racism is sin. And sin exists. And the only answer to sin is Jesus. And that same love that reconciled us to God is the same love that can reconcile us to one another. The same power that raised Christ from the dead is available to us today. Our problem, I believe, as the church. I'm not talking about the world, but as Christians, as Christ followers, I think that we've dropped the ball, as Pastor Ken said, of being salt and light. And I would uh, go to say that it's been more than 40 years even. I mean, we're the only ones in my estimation, according to the word of God, we're the only ones really qualified. When I say we, I'm talking about the church, the body of Christ, the only ones qualified to talk about disunity, to talk about healing, to talk about the grace and, and the love of God. And so if we haven't done our job as Christians, as the body of Christ, we can't expect the world to do the job that God called the church to do. So it's no wonder that we're in the position that we're in. And so I believe that what seems like our country's worst hour could really be the church's finest hour if we actually step up and do what God has called us to do. Love like Jesus said to love. Serve like Jesus said to serve. That's, that's so good. And, you know, I think we're living, and maybe you can agree or disagree, we're kind of living in a Christ-haunted yeah. world yeah. where we all want justice, we all want love, right? We all want the kingdom of God, but we don't want the king. Mm -hmm. And I think it, it behooves us as followers of Jesus to um, refocus on Jesus and do what you were just saying, practicing love, right? And I think one of the biggest things, and I got this from one of my theological mentors, is I think many times we think coming to Jesus is just simply making a decision for him as opposed to following Jesus in his way of life, right? Practicing love and mercy and justice uh, for all people. And obviously in our historical moment, um, that is uh, even more obvious, right? That brings to bear, I think, our vocation uh, as followers of Jesus. And so I, I agree with that. So, so um, how do we, 
How do we do that? How do we deal with anger and frustration and the feeling of being overwhelmed? It does feel like to me that we are living in a theological crisis, not just a political crisis, but we're living in a theological crisis. People are trying to figure, okay, God, where, where are you? How, how am I supposed to see what's going on? A lot of people are confused. And, uh, you know, I, I've been thinking through uh, Ephesians 4, and our unity as the people of God is so essential, right? And it seems on one level that that unity is being tested. The fabric of our unity is wearing thin, possibly. So how do we, how do we approach unity? How do we come together? How do we be Jesus people? Well, I think that, um, it, I don't think that the unity is just being tested. I think that the lack of unity is now being exposed. Um, the Bible says, take every thought captive to the obedience of Jesus Christ. And so I know we have opinions. I got an opinion based on um, the way that I was raised, the place that I was raised. I mean, my perspective comes from my life story. Your perspective comes from your life story. But if you have an opinion and that opinion, this is just kind of how I process. If I have an opinion and it doesn't line up with the word of God, then I have to switch. I have to either choose to align my opinions and my thoughts with what the Bible says about the issue or the problems, or I have to consider maybe I'm really not a Christ follower. And so for me, the Bible says in John 16, 33, and this, Jesus guarantees us we're gonna have problems. But he says, be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. So the fact that we've got problems in our nations today is not a surprise. The fact that we've had them throughout the history of our nation is not a surprise. But the answer is Jesus. It's always been Jesus and it will always be Jesus in the form of the word. So I think that the way that we should be dealing with the problems, especially in the church, is to love like Jesus loved. Like I said, serve like Jesus served. If I have a thought or opinion and it doesn't line up with the word of God, I really have to, okay, I need to repent personally. So the Bible says in your anger, do not sin. I know we're angry. People are angry. You know, it's just a, it's a hot zone. It's a hot mess in the world today, but the Bible still tells us how to deal with the problem, how to deal with the issue. And if the church doesn't set the example, doesn't set the tone, we're just in a bad way. That's so good. And I think that's one really important thing um, that I've been talking to a lot of different people this last week, last two weeks is, and a lot of people come to me and say, Chris, how do I deal with, with my anger? Right. Because, you know, Ephesians chapter four says be angry. Right. So there's room, there's room for us to be angry over uh, unjust things or anything for that matter. Um, but Paul makes it very clear, make sure that anger doesn't turn, that righteous anger doesn't turn to sin. And I think one of the things that I've been thinking through is, I think one of the first things we have to do is we have to bring our anger to Jesus, right? Our first protest should be in prayer. Like, and, and that's why I love the book of Psalms because it's kind of like our prayer theological textbook. And it shows us how we can bring our complaint, our heavy heartedness, our frustration to God, right? And prayer, I think many people think prayer is like a therapeutic thing, right? Where we just have good feelings and nothing really happens, right? But prayer that we find in the New Testament, even in the Old Testament, is much more than just a therapeutic interaction with Jesus, right? Uh, Blaise Pascal said long time ago, God has given us the dignity of causality, 
right? And that happens in prayer, meaning that stuff, God wants to partner with us in prayer and God actually goes to work and does righteousness and justice in our world, right? And we change. And as our hearts change, we then can move into the world and act in love and grace and mercy. Mm-hmm. Am I right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, th- there's so many pieces to this. It's simple, but it's complex. The, what you just mentioned about uh, uh, repentance. Repentance is actually the start of prayer. And when we get to the place of repentance and turning around and, and acting uh, in the measure that God wants us to, I think what happens is we then change our thinking because it says take every thought captive. So you change your thinking. What does that mean? You change your thinking from the problem that is producing the anger because you're focused on the, the, the situation to a big picture in which God is in control and he's working these things out. I mean, he is even in the things we see in America right now, God is at work. And so we repent, we, we, we start praying, praying changes us and praying changes situations because prayers don't die and they keep moving on. We have the prayers of all of our founding fathers and everybody's gone through the history helping us right now. We've got to add our prayers to it and see what God wants to do. Because I, I think what you said earlier, Mark, God is, God is up to something right now. And I think we need to look at this as a positive thing because it's, God is exposing all of the issues that we have. And why do you expose it? So you can heal it. And so he's exposing it so he can heal it. Now, it's interesting that I was just studying recently about about revivals, revivals throughout history, not just in America, but throughout the world. And it's interesting that when, when we repent, we get a big picture, we start serving God, and God's, with all the prayers of the saints happening, revivals occur, because that's a significance one of the key prerequisites of revival is prayer. And when the people start praying, revivals happen. Now, I found this interesting that in actual old history revivals, what always happens was social action. It turned into people doing things for their neighbor, for their city, for their town. For instance, I'll give you one illustration that will illustrate that John Wesley, the Wesley brothers, they, they had a revival in England. And it was, uh, it was after, it was during the time, somewhat during the time of the French Revolution, during that era anyway. And uh, they, they had uh, the Industrial Revolution took place. And in the Industrial Revolution, there was a lot of people who were in poverty in the people that were trying to come up through culture. And so we, uh, Wesley went out and started ministering to the miners and all those who were caught up in this industrial revolution. He had a revival. So what, he's, what, what started happening is he set up credit unions, he set up orphanages, he set up uh, homes for those in need, he set up uh, all kinds of food that, that, that could provide sustenance for, for those in need. It wasn't just revival of the heart, it was revival and reformation of the culture. Now, this is interesting because historians now say, if it hadn't been for Wesley's revival, in England, England would have gone through their own French Revolution. So you think about that. 
Well, I think what God is doing right now, he's exposing all that we see in America so he can bring into being another revival based upon our repentance that will bring a social action that could actually uh, start ministering to things so we won't operate in French Revolution. If things go the way they are and anarchists come and et cetera, we're going to have another French Revolution. I don't believe that's the case, but that's what that uh, second worldview always leads to. Anarchy always leads to this chaotic situation that the only way you can get through it is to bring an authoritarian, totalitarianism leader into play to bring order into it. So that's why our frame of government is so unique is because we're a republic based upon the foundation of the Judeo-Christian ethic, which has allowed us to have all the blessings we have. So I'm, I'm just, I, I'm excited because I think God is really up to something he's exposing so we can, we can heal and, and God can do a, a, another revival that will bring about a reformation in America. So it, it's so important as followers of Jesus, when we look at all our social um, unrest and issues related to justice, which are really important to all of us, um, we, we have to really emphasize two things, right? We have to emphasize that legislation. Number one, I think everyone's in agreement on this, whether you're on the left or the right of the political or even theological spectrum, that legislation or laws can't change hearts. Right. So this is where the church comes in. Right. I think this is what you're saying, right. Dad, is that it's the Holy Spirit who changes our heart. Right. Right. But then in the words of several different scholars as well, we also know legislation is important because it restrains or it builds a framework for those who are heartless. Yes. Yes. <laughs> right. And so those two are inextricably connected. I have found it's funny kind of on social media, there's almost a polarized polarization over those two. Like we're just heart people or we just got to change laws or whatever. I, I think we want as followers of Jesus, if we're salt and light, we want to be both. Yeah. Right? right. And that's really important, especially in light of what's happening across our nation. Mark, do you want to speak to that? Just issues of justice and, you know, coming from your perspective, are there things that we can do as it relates to heart change, as it relates to uh, social unrest? Yeah, well, I think the, the, the reality or the thought that we need, um, you know, institutions like the KKK or the New Black Panther Party or that, that we think that we need those institutions, I think, and that we allow those institutions, I think that's where the legal part of things can come in and say, hey, you know what, we're not going to stand for things like this anymore. But as you said, it's a hard thing. You can't legislate morality. And, and I love the Bible says, and I'm a simple scripture guy, out of the overflow or the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so if you change laws, but we don't change hearts, it doesn't really matter. What God did when he came in is he changed our hearts, which caused us to live differently, which caused us to, to influence differently. And what we need in our society is hearts to be transformed by the power of the gospel. So we want the laws in place. You know, if you have people who have had changed hearts or the ones helping to implement the laws, we're in a great place. But until the heart is changed... We're, we're in trouble. We're in a bad place. But it's, it's really necessary. And it's funny to me because people don't vote based on a kingdom principle. They vote based on their opinion. And again, if my opinion doesn't line up with the word of God, then I'm, I'm incorrect. I don't care whether you're black, whether you're white, whether you're Hispanic, whether you're Asian. If you're not 
processing the issue in light of what the gospel says about the issue, if you're not creating laws based on how our country was founded on the Judeo-Christian ethics value system, then we're creating bad laws and they're not helping us out. That's so good. Uh, and as you were talking, I was just reminded, I can't remember who it was, um, but I think about 100 years ago, someone said, it's not good laws that make good people. It's good people who make good laws. And so I, I think that's, I mean, this is an, an incredible time. It's, it's a very difficult time. But what we know from history, and I get, kind of get this from you, is that when we're in um, a time like this, this is an opportunity, even though it's a theological crisis, it's an opportunity for theological breakthrough. Right? right? I think God can, because it's messy, and that's the problem. It is, it is messy, um, but it's, it's God who works in the mess. Right. I, I heard one pastor say it, it feels like there's just a lot of mixture and people are just trying to navigate the waters of mixture. And I think Jesus is right there in all of that. And I think some of our greatest theological breakthrough, even when it comes to politics and social issues, which are really important to us, um, can happen in the next year. And that's why I think we can even start talking about and praying for, what about young people who have a call to get involved in politics? Young people who feel called to get involved in um, issues related to social um, stuff, right? And so um, I, I think we're, even though it's hard, and even right now my heart's heavy. Um, I think many of us, again, our hearts are heavy. But I'm also filled with hope because I think um, not only is Jesus the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, but he's going to work this out. And we're going to, as a church, we're going to come out on the other side, right? Stronger um, and more robust in how we see the world. Yeah. There's, there's, there's such a divide and such a contrast between what the church stands for and what is actually happening in culture. And I really believe that God is calling uh, kingdom people into cultural issues. The reason why the, we're, we are the way we are is the kingdom, or the, I should say the church, the kingdom has always been pushing us this way, but the church has failed to achieve kingdom direction and destiny because we have restricted ourselves from being involved in politics, uh, education, etc. So we lost them. And the other side took them up. And what, what we need to do is get back to kingdom mentality. The kingdom oversees everything. And so it's the church that is the tool of the kingdom that, that actually invades culture and changes it. And so I think we need to encourage our, our young people to get involved in, in businesses and politics and teaching as professors in education, in, in colleges and, and, you know, even social work in these things so we can change everything that's going on. You know, the issue that this is interesting, I, I heard a quote just recently says, our if our republic loses its virtue, we will lose liberty. And you see the virtue has left. And that's why there is a clamoring over liberty and who should have liberty because virtue is no longer a predominant character or a characteristic in our culture. So I, I guess I see this, this, you talk about vacuums, Chris. I see this big vacuum that the church can step into if we're wise, we have passion 
and we have people that want to pursue the destiny that God has put on our heart. We, I mean, as a church, look at the possibilities here. And, and we can't get frustrated. We have to show, you know, come up to a higher level. I, I saw recently where even in Minneapolis, there were a whole group of preachers and evangelists went into the city and were, they were seeing hundreds of souls saved on the street. And they were then moving them into direction of, of cultural change, not in their own life, but in the life of, of, of the nation. So I see this, this big opening, this huge opening. If we'll repent, if we'll turn from our wicked ways, if we'll pray, and if we'll seek God, I see God just coming and say, okay, I hear you. Let's do something about this. So it's, uh, I think it's a great opportunity, a great moment. This could be our finest hour. That is so good. As, as we close, thank you, Dad. Thank you, Mark. Um, Mark, I'll put you on the spot. Uh, so what do you think about our role right now in this current moment when it comes to justice, right? Um, last week, we talked about listening, right? Um, repentance, you know, in the Greek means to go beyond the mind that you have. And uh, we talked about two weeks ago how Jesus was moved with compassion, yeah. right? In the Greek, that's a very visceral Response. We find the God in the Old Testament is the God of compassion, and that that means to be womish, right? So, so God right now is feeling the brokenness of this world, and I just I just want to make sure. And I know people listening to us might agree, might disagree. Maybe the things that we didn't emphasize or whatever. I think my whole heart is, man. I just want the heart of Jesus. That's, that's what I want more than he, I want to be moved by what Jesus is moved by. And so could you maybe just speak really quick to that? Yeah, and I think um, just for, and again, my message goes to us as believers, as to the body of Christ, because, you know, the Bible says that the preaching of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. And so um, my encouragement is really to the body of Christ. If, and I kind of put it like this. If I'm driving down the road and I pull up to a stop site and, uh, and you know, I, I listen to music and so I got my music, you know, playing pretty good and I'm in my little vibe, you know, and somebody pulls up next to me and their music is louder than mine, I have two options. I can either turn my music up so it's still the loudest noise that I hear that's in my space or, you know, we just kind of take off. And I think for us as the church, we need to make the message of love. We need to make the message of God's justice louder than the message that the world, that the culture is actually, you know, spreading right now. And that's what we haven't done. We haven't made the message of the cross. We haven't made the message of God's justice louder than because there, there is no justice apart from God's justice or the godly type of justice. That's just the way that I process. And so people might not agree with that, but again, I'm a citizen of the kingdom of God. I have to process the way that the kingdom of God says to process. And so I just think that if we, let's ponder, let's consider God's justice and what that really means. And let's try to implement that in our world. And might, we might not be able to implement that in Minneapolis because we live in the Treasure Valley, but we can implement that here. We can preach that message here and it can go from our house to our communities, to our schools, to the state house, and eventually spread across the world. But apart from the justice of God, you'll never know real justice because it just depends on who's in charge at the particular time, what their opinion or idea of justice is. And so God is in charge and God has called us. And I love, you said this a while ago, with, without God, we can't. 
but without us, God won't. And so when I'm praying, God, turn it around. I have to consider that God is saying, okay, go do what I called you to do. Go be who I called you to be so that people can know. And so, yes, we're going to pray, but we're going to give God the opportunity to move. But it takes us to move in the strength and in the power and in the love of God. And that's St. Augustine, that quote. I love that quote. And I think, as we, Dad, as we close, do you have any other thoughts? Okay. Um, I, I think what's really important, I, I just heard recently a pastor talked about, kind of came up with a hypothetical situation. And uh, it, it, it's revolved around um, uh, kind of a choice. And the choice is if you're, let's say you're, you're driving down a dark road and you're in a place you've never been before and you're disoriented and lost, what would you choose? Would you choose uh, a map, like a top, topological map that shows you all the, the trees and like an army map that's, you know, very detailed, right? Would you choose that where you can see kind of everything you're at? Or would you choose someone like a local who would get in the car with you, maybe even drive, who's been in that area for 50 years, knows all the shortcuts, knows all the back roads, can get you exactly where you need to be? And I think most of us would choose the local, right? Who knows the terrain, the topography, all that kind of stuff. And I think that's related right now to, with, with the confusion that some people are experiencing, some of the mixture and some of the stuff that people are wrestling with as we talk about God's justice, which is really important. Uh, people can get lost. And I'm just choosing, um, man, you know what? Jesus I want to follow your lead, right? He's that like that local um, who knows exactly how to get us where he wants us to go. And I think it's so important, Psalm 23, the Lord is our shepherd, right? And he leads us beside the non-anxious waters, right? And he leads us in the paths of righteousness and justice. And I think if we can just ask our church, let's, let's go back to really focusing on Jesus, being with Jesus, not giving that lip service, and then letting Je Jesus lead us into those paths of righteousness locally, where we can serve those who have experienced acts of racism, and unjust acts, those who've experienced exploitation, right? We are called to bring the good news to the poor. That's why Matthew, come on, Matthew chapter five, Jesus says, blessed are the poor, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness and justice, for they shall be filled. And so we're called to partner with Jesus to bring that locally into um, our city. And one last thing is we're, we're almost done. I just don't want to be um, a performative activist. Right? I think we need to protest things. I think we can certainly talk about things without question, but I don't want it just to be talk. Like talk is good, but I want us as a community, man, to let's, let's, let's go, right? Let's act, let's, let's live big story lives and let's see God work through our action as we love and serve people. Amen. Amen. All right. I hope you were, were blessed by this. Um, we love you at home. Uh, we went a little bit longer than we anticipated, uh, but I just like to pray for everyone at home at this point. Um, and uh, Lord, we just thank you, Father, that uh, you are in charge. Lord, we thank you for uh, your presence today. Lord, I just ask everyone who's at home watching us online that your presence would be with them. I ask if there's anybody who's, whose heart is filled with 
um, frustration, anger, feeling overwhelmed. Holy Spirit, I just think you would come and lift them up. Lord, I think you come to lift us out of the fatigue of worry and anxiety and despair. And Holy Spirit, I thank you that we can't do anything apart from you. Lord, I thank you, John chapter 15, if we abide in your words, Lord, that you'll come and you'll bring grace and you'll bring fruit. And so we just thank you that your peace that surpasses all understanding would guard our hearts today in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you, Jesus, you would reveal yourself to everyone. And Lord, we thank you for giving us your wisdom and your perspective in Jesus' name. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Uh, We can't wait to see you next week. And we're praying for a great week for you.